Are you an early years or primary teacher? Are you keen to reflect on your professional development as a classroom practitioner? Are you keen to get something published in an educational journal? If so, the National Association for Primary Education is looking for submissions for the Rosemary Evans Bequest Award 2023. Deadline is the 1st of December and has an award for £800. To find out more details, go to nape.org.uk. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. As you can hear, I'm the wrong side of a bug which has affected my voice and I can tell you this is a lot better than I was sounding even 24 hours ago. So I'll keep this very short and today I'm delighted to be chatting to Graham Jordan. Now Graham helps people to understand and communicate their value to their next employer. Delivering workshops in schools, he encourages students to recognise the achievements they already have and the value of the things they are already doing so that their CV can be compelling and unique. Now, amazingly, this is about the only the second time I've managed to lose my voice since 2016 when we started. So thanks so much for bearing with me just in this intro. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Graham Jordan. Hi, Graham. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Um, thanks so much for joining us. I think CV is something we've touched on before, but never actually kind of spent a particular focus on. So I think this is going to be a really, really fascinating, but really important conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. <laughs> So I think people often hear CV being mentioned as kind of the the shop window in terms of you being able to display yourself, get your best foot forward. Um, and I think that can often be difficult for certainly students. I know with my kids specifically, it's been the case of kind of, well, I haven't done anything or I haven't started somewhere. So I'm really yeah. interested to sort of know sort of your thoughts on that and sort of, sort of what that sort of shop window or how you sort of get across that sort of um, barrier really. It's interesting because people used to talk about CVs as a sales document and you have to sell yourself and things like that. But for me, that doesn't go far enough. And me and others now have started referring to it more as a marketing document. And there's a there's a term now called career marketing. And, you know, as a as a qualified chartered marketer, that that suits me, you know, because marketing's my my field. And yeah, the the reason a CV is more like marketing than it is selling is because you've got a blank piece of paper in front of you and you really have to start with who am I? Why am I here? You know, the, the big questions that are fundamental and it really is like a marketing strategy because you're free to put whatever you want on those two sheets of paper, you know, and I don't think people realize that sufficiently. And one of the, One of the things I often say about CVs is the best place to start is always a blank screen and you have to not be constrained by other people's rules. I I really would encourage people to throw the rules in the bin, start with who am I, what am I trying to do here? So you're trying to get the particular job, which is beneficial to your longer term career plan. Um, There are no secrets, you know, because... The one thing people, the the other thing people forget is the employer tells you what they want. (laughs) It's really simple. All you have to do is give that to them with examples from your experience, skill set, 
personal values. You've got to know yourself. That's the other reason why it's a very strategic thing and more like marketing than selling. And they tell you what they want. You have to give that to them with compelling examples and evidence to justify, you know, if you're going to say, I'm a hardworking, reliable individual, which by the way, I don't think you should. Um, that's not the best place to start. 99% of CVs begin, I am a hardworking, reliable individual, etc. And by the way, have you ever called yourself an individual in any other circumstances? You know, what? why? People, people use this horrific um, formal language on their CV, which... It doesn't mean that they talk about, and, and you know, people further on in their career talk about executing strategy. You know, I, I want my strategies to live. You know, so don't don't copy others. Don't don't use this ridiculous formal language. Just just literally go right. This is what the employer wants, and I've got evidence to justify why I am that person that they're looking for. From my education, yes, my experience as well, my. The things that I'm just naturally good at, my attitude, my values, because you've got to be committed to something in, in a in a in a job. People talk about culture, people talk about businesses having values. Well, if if a business has values, then it wants to recruit people who share those values, doesn't it? So there's there's actually nothing wrong with doing those things as well and putting those things on. And yeah, um people as as you alluded to, Mark. I hear this a lot when I do workshops in schools and it's really sad when people say things like, I don't have any skills, Graham. And they're always wrong, right? They're they're always wrong. They do always have skills because, you know, they haven't been doing nothing all day, every day, have they? So it, it really is fascinating. You have to start from scratch and go, well, tell me about yourself. Tell me what you do. And when you're not here, what else do you do? And what have you, what have you achieved? And, that, that that is we're going deep into it now. That is one of the main things that I do is I coach people on the value of what they've already achieved, and um, yeah, it's kind of sad sometimes that they haven't been told this by other people. They might have been given the CV template to fill in, but if they've got no clue what to fill in those boxes on the template, then it's of no value, is it? So yeah, everybody's achieved something. Um, a lot of people think, oh, I can't do it until I've got my grades. Well, you know, there are ways around that. You can, A, it's not all about your education anyway. And B, you can put your predicted grades in or put none in, but you've still you've still studied these things for two years, haven't you? And uh, yeah, so marketing, not selling. Think about who you are and where you want to be. Think about the audience who's reading your CV. You're, you're not trying to impress the, the random person who give you advice on your CV. You're not trying to follow the, the the rules of CV writing that you find when you Google it. Literally just just keep it keep it really straightforward and and write positively about yourself. And there are a couple of things that strike me there, which I think are really, really key. And it's something which I certainly have to remember as well, is the fact that you're you're giving this information and you're talking like you're saying sharing yourself with people who don't know you and so many things you kind of think but that's just obvious or that's just me but they don't know that because they haven't had that conversation they haven't had it you know the cv is the thing they're going to probably see first you know it's getting it's getting that ball rolling from that point of view so all of those things like you say make sure it comes across in the way that they're looking for but also that shows you in your in your best lights as well which i think is is so hard for people when they're younger but like you said you know you're organized you do this you know all, all those things such such an important thing and you mentioned there about templates and you mentioned there about sort of getting across things that you need to put down yeah 
what do you think about templates first of all and i kind of think i i know where this will head um and so, and also you know is there are, are there certain things that you have to do or that would be expected or is it like you said a complete blank um canvas and you really can do it any way that you wish um tempted to say the latter i i i am somewhere close to that end of the the spectrum i would say that i've written blogs before about why you shouldn't use templates so the the principle is the purpose of a cv is to get you selected for that job that you've chosen to apply for if the purpose is to get you selected then it follows that you have to be different from the other applicants and what does a template do automatically a template makes you look the same as everybody else so i think it's failing in 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 that just on a just just on a basic principle but you know the 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 way the way careers is taught now and it's changing dramatically and, and very rapidly at, at the moment by the way so if, if we talk about the careers curriculum more generally the, the government have suddenly decided that careers advisors need to be qualified which is fantastic and i really really support that um and it's a level six qualification that's necessary so it's it's a it's a proper you know degree level qualification that's fantastic only careers advisors should be telling people what's right for them, by the way. And, and I've heard a lot of people being given advice by the wrong people. And it, it, it's, it's very sad. Going, you know, for, for example, people want to do creative things or people want to do arts and they're, they're steered down a different path when actually the thing that they're interested in is also what they're best at. And, and, and they should be, um, they should be encouraged to, to do that. And it's very, it's very odd that people feel empowered to, to kind of impact other people's dreams and aspirations, which are long term, we're going to work for probably forty to fifty years of our lives, and um, it's not a decision you want to get wrong. So, what the stuff I do is in the context of the professionalisation of careers education, which is brilliant, and what I do is a a small niche within that, really, which is career skills, how to get the job that you want, and it's it's funny because this is a this is a life skill this is a set of skills how to how to get a job which almost everybody is going to need and very little focus goes into it which i think is an imbalance so the the current way it's done is there are software products that schools have which delivers a lot of different things related to careers uh, it has lesson plans it has videos to watch it has you know databases work experience details things like that and they're very useful things but one of the components it has, it has is a cv template so the the other problem coming back to your question i know this is a long answer the other reason why a template is 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 problematic is it gives you a false sense of security that you're finished so I filled in all of these boxes. I must be done. Fantastic. I've done my CV. I've, I've got a sense of it. But you've done it, but it might not be serving its purpose. It might not be getting you selected. So having all those boxes filled in is 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 worse than not having done it. So why can't you start from a blank sheet of paper? And yeah, so that that's, that's how education is done. And my job simply is to tell people what to put in those boxes on the template. I don't really mind if they use a template as long as they're free 
you know, to be educated on what to put in those boxes and there's no constraints put on people uh, that stop them from conveying their value well. But um, the other the other thing is um, the the belief about what's relevant. So the, the other part of your question was, are, are there certain things that people must put in? Well, yeah, a, a summary at the top. You know, you know what the employer's looking for. Why not summarize it at the top? Um, and then when the, this this apparent statistic that people spend six seconds or two seconds or whatever it is reading your CV, you know, very difficult to prove, give them a summary at the beginning so that it, it piques their interest. Then, I mean, you're always going to talk about your experience. You're always going to talk about your education. In your early career, you're probably going to talk about your interests. So, yeah, it's not difficult to just put a heading for each of those things and then have sections with, you know, if you've had three part-time jobs, you put all three in. If you've had one part-time job and one week of work experience, you put those in as separate sections. And you don't need a template because it's quite a straightforward document. But, you know, I was doing some mock interviews last week and somebody said to me, well, I don't really have any experience, but... And I knew what was coming and they ended up saying, well, I've had I've had three different jobs, but one of them was only for a week. And it's all this negative stuff. You know, you didn't have to start that answer with I haven't had much. You, you, you are better off starting that answer with, well, I had a week's work experience and I learned this, that and the other. And it really convinced me that a career in this industry is what I want and I'm looking forward to learning more. I do a part-time job and that demonstrates reliability and I've done this, that, and the other, and learn the other, and whatever else. And yeah, it's just, so part of the role, it's it's not just here, here are the different things you need to write down. It's, it really has to be one-to-one. It really has to, in order to work well, it has to be individual. It has to be, okay, tell me what you've done. And they'll, they'll give you one word answers. Okay, I, I, I was once talking to someone and I said, so what, what do you do in your spare time? And she said, judo. And you know, I, I could have stopped there and just moved on to the next point. And I thought, I'll, I'll just, I'll just ask, what have you achieved in your judo? Oh, I'm the national champion. Now, have a guess whether or not that was on a CV. <laughs> and who's, who's telling? Yeah, no, who, who's <laughs> telling that to put that on a CV if not me? You know, um, so yeah, there's there's a lot, there's a lot of additional stuff to do. Even if you know what the basic structure is going to be, there's a lot that you still need to learn about yourself and and how to convey your value. And I think that's the, and 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 it's a real thing I think within schools as well that you often hear because you want to get things right. And so the perception, a bit like writing a formal letter, is there's yeah. a certain way it has to look, and you should know what that is. Um, and therefore I need to get it right. Like you said, so I know it's got all these different boxes. Well, can those boxes be a different way around? You know, like yeah. you said, you can put the summary first, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, name addressed. Here's all with all of all of my qualifications. And so the, like your first page has got nothing about me apart from facts. There's no personality coming through or anything like that. Um, and I think, like I say, unless people are hearing these conversations, which is why I love the podcast so much, is yeah, it yeah. gives us a chance to do that because it breaks away those barriers. But I think that's also quite difficult, especially for students sometimes, to really think, oh, but like I say, I've been told it has to look like this or this is the way I need to be thinking about it. And I've got yeah. it right because I've filled in all of these things. And and it's a mind, sh- a mind shift, isn't it? Like I say, it which really is probably is. The, the biggest factor. The, the, this is why 
it might not be a single session to put this right. You know, I'm I'm working on resources at the moment, which uh, is going to be a, a three a three lesson plan because you've got to spend the first hour getting that mind shift done. And I think you're right. You've just hit on a really important point. The reason is they're used to having right and wrong answers and being being assessed like that, which is fine for some things, although obviously a lot of education is meant to be creative and critical thinking and all that. But yeah, I, th- I think that fear of getting it wrong absolutely is part of it. And I think we as business people can can help i think there's a change of culture but you know people look at it one side at the the applicant but i think the the employers have a responsibility as well to to not use words like rejection when the, what they've simply done is chosen another kind of they might think you you know if you, if you don't get an interview for a job the employer might have thought you were fantastic but they just might have thought someone else was slightly a slightly better fit for that particular job it's not it's not a rejection at all and you hear people you know focusing on you shouldn't have a photo on your CV and that's really unfair. And it's just stuff that isn't really that important, but yeah, change your mindset around it being a compelling marketing document. And then yeah, put it, put it across in, in whatever we want. And I'll give you an example of the, the way you might change the order of your CV, if that's helpful. So schools are obviously very focused on qualifications and qualifications are very important. I did all right in mine. You know, I've got a degree in a level seven qualification. I really, I really value education, but education opens doors to the next stage. And, you know, even if you get a nine in everything, there are other people who've also got a nine in everything. And you get a first class degree. There are other people with first class degrees. So you do have to cover all sections. I, I like to think of a CV as telling a story and you have different chapters in your story. And it's it's not about is education more important than experience. In an ideal world, you're going to build up both. Um, but to say, for example, some work I was doing with schools not long ago, somebody wanted to be a paramedic, okay? In their spare time, they were a volunteer for St. John Ambulance. So if the template has your education first, is that person really going to put their education first? Or are they going to say, actually, I'm applying to be a trainee paramedic. The most important thing is that they've done volunteering in a, in the exact same job, let's be honest. And that's what the summary is for, actually, because it gets over the, the, the bit about which bit to put first. You can really get a powerful summary. In. And yeah, if, if, if your experience is the most important thing you have, absolutely put that first and don't let anybody tell you that you know there are rules to the country because they just aren't <laughs> and also you kind of have to i guess think about it in terms of of being honest about who you are because you can't have i don't have 20 years experience in this because yeah. i've only just left school or i'm still at school you know so therefore yeah. what you're applying for is relevant but also just the reality of who you are and like I say that's why i like that story idea because it means that yeah I have this experience because this is what I've been able to do so far. Like I say, I'm looking to do this. This is what I've been able to put together. All those things you've spoken about, about sort of getting who you are across from that. And you have to kind of think, but that's obviously what the person reading this is going to be expecting because I'm, you know, if I'm only 18, then there's only so much I can do. It's about how I'm coming across as an 18-year-old. I'm not actually fighting for someone who's got 20 years experience for the same job. And if you are, it might be, 
you can only be your best self in that point of view because if they're looking for someone with 10 years experience and you're just trying to see then you may or may not get it but it might be they're thinking there's something about this person they haven't got that experience but i can see there's something that's going to really fit with the culture and we're going to give you a go and you that's the bit you don't know which is i guess why you just have to focus on yourself and put your best foot forward Uh, absolutely that's that's absolutely right you there's no need to overstate anything there's no need to exaggerate so we're not trying to say i'm an 18 year old expert what we're trying to say is in the context of this job application up against people of a similar stage in their career i've done things that demonstrate my commitment and i've done things that show i've got the capacity to learn because remember you're not the finished article so it's the capacity learning it's it's things like i've chosen relevant things you know if you want to go into the armed forces have you been a cadet if you want to if if you want to be a writer have you got a blog if you want to be a graphic designer let's see a portfolio of things you've already designed you know whether it's with the professional tools or not you know there are there are always things available for free if you want to be a filmmaker come on then make a film show me it um yeah you you're only competing against people who are at a similar level and i, I can i can tell you for absolutely certain when I was recruiting people for my team in a, a a marketing strategy and research agency, okay, I remember recruiting people on the basis of a short-term job, for, for example, three months. And I remember recruiting people instead of someone who had 10 years' experience because if you've done something for a short term, as long as you can go to an interview and talk sensibly about that and demonstrate that you're committed and you know what you're doing – the length of time doesn't really matter. Um, so I, th- I think people need to hear that message more because it, 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 you know, the, there's a big myth that employers pick people based on grades, right? I said grades grades might be a minimum you know, that you need to overcome, but employers are definitely not just sifting CVs and ordering them by grades and picking the ones at the top. They're definitely not doing that. Um, low grades, of course, do matter. And the other thing they're not doing is they're not just picking the one with the who's been in the job the longest because people can be in the job the longest and still not have some of the things that you've got them. They might not have achieved some of the things that you've achieved. So let's tell them what you've achieved and, you know, give them a compelling reason to choose you. Um, as I said, without having to exaggerate anything. And the thing is, is that, you know, I've got the traditional or untraditional sort of portfolio career in as much as I've got different aspects to my life as a musician, as a teacher, as a podcaster, and sort of a myriad of things around that as well. Um, So I guess one of the things which is interesting is the fact that I guess you actually don't ever have a CV. Because what I'm going to send to someone for this job is going to be different than if I'm applying to university or if I'm just trying to have a slightly different thing based on something I'm volunteering for. They might still ask for something like that. So what you have is, like, I guess at the top of it, like you said, is the knowing who you are. And yeah. then you have CVs, plural, or the ability to kind of make that this is what I'm going to send to this person because I know this is what I think is going to be the best thing to do rather than, like you say, tick box, I've got my CV. It doesn't quite fit for what I'm going for, but I'll just, like you say, change the odd word here in the odd sentence because that completely negates where you are. Yeah, absolutely. You need to have a folder full of different CVs that you adapt, as you say. And, you know, it's worth preparing now. And even if you might be applying for an apprenticeship job, okay, and it needs an application form, not a CV, well, 
the application form still needs to be quite detailed. And there tends to be one question at the end, which basically says, tell us why you are suitable. <laughs> and that worries me, that question, because people often mistake that for something which is just additional or optional. And they don't realize the fundamental importance of that question. A good employer is using that question as probably the most important part of their selection criteria, if not the the entirety of, of their decision making. So you've really got to do that. And having a CV where you've already got the information and you can draw on that in, in writing your answer is going to save you lots of time, but it's also going to improve your answers because you're not relying on memory. And the, the number of people I've heard, oh, I can't remember which GCSEs I did and was... Was my B in that subject or that subject? What was? And they, they spend so much time trying to put the basic facts together. Just collect the basic facts and then, and then start with the more interesting stuff, which is right. How am I going to get myself chosen for this job? And yeah, a bit of self awareness and a bit of self confidence is needed. That's why it's a, it's a, it's a bigger job than people sometimes think. Yeah, and I guess that reverse engineering thing is important in terms of, you know, as a as someone, especially if you're related to schools and you're involved in that, there's a lot of tick boxing that goes on. Yeah. So therefore, like you said, that first part of a, a, a job application is going to be, we need to make sure they've got the qualifications they've said, that you're able to work in this country, you've done X, Y, and Z, all of those questions that, that you have to do. Because yeah. like you said, that's probably a given because without this, you're not, we're not actually going to be able to employ you. So yep. we have to make sure that's all just done. You know, Whatever that happens to be, it's all taken care of. And like you say, then you get into that kind of, this is really who I am and what I'm doing, which is, a, I guess, effectively what you're saying. It's that story part of how you come across in a CV as part of that application. And, and that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the problem is, is it like, you know, the amount of energy that goes into creating the first part of it, or like say, finding that information takes away the rest of it. And that's why I liked what you said about having sessions when you're coaching and things over, you know, a number of sessions or a number of hours or whatever, because you're actually yeah. building all of that knowledge base and all of those things. So you can come back to it and you can then do it fresh each time rather than I've just got to get this done and the deadlines coming <laughs> and all of that kind of thing, which is never going to show you in the best light totally. because you're obviously not in the best light at that time. It, it, it's going to develop over time as well. You know, um, you've you've got to, and it takes some discipline. You've got to keep adding your achievements to it. So, you know, you might be, you might be a green belt in karate now. And when, when you reach black belt, you need to add that on your CV. And, and that's always relevant, by the way, because it demonstrates commitment, scale and perseverance and resilience. So, and then, you know, you've, you've got your week's work experience. So that goes on. Then you get a part-time job that gets added. You, you leave school and you get a job um, that goes on or you, you're at university and you might be doing part-time jobs or summer jobs that are really important and, and relevant. You might be doing placements, added a year long placement. Um, that was huge in, in getting me my first job and my second job. And I did a, I did a three month sales job over the summer. And for years later, I was telling stories about, you know, I worked till 7 p.m., hadn't hadn't sold a thing all day and hit my target of eight sales in the last hour because I was organized and I'd went back and did the callbacks and, you know, all, all of this. Um, you, you're building up examples all the time of what you can do for people because ultimately what employers are doing is they're trying to judge your performance in a job based on your past performance, which is is imperfect, but it's the best system we've got, you know. 
And I guess that's the that's another thing to sort of remember is the fact that, like you say, saying that I am resilient is all yeah. very well and good. But I guess you don't need to say some things explicitly because what you're sharing demonstrates it. And and so do you sort of need both things together? I'm resilient because, or the fact that you're no. able to sort of tell the story of what you've done demonstrates that's what it is. Do you know what? I don't have a skills section on CVs that I write for people. And I'm talking about having written CVs for apprentice apprentices up to CEO level and, you know, international diplomats. You know, I've 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 written some CVs for some serious people with major achievements that you, you couldn't imagine. And yeah, there's there's not there's usually no point in having a skills section because writing I've got this and I've got that it's not meaningful unless you prove it. If if the if the person spec says there were a small number of things we're looking for, so four to six things, it might be sensible to do a line, a bullet point on each one. But as you said, not normally we demonstrate this. So for example, you know, if you've if you've run a project which was to, I don't know, um recruit volunteers for a charity event and earn a th- earn a thousand pound for charity and you ended up making 1200 pounds so you exceeded your target there's no need to write i was responsible for project management because you've managed a project and there's you know there's i i don't like commentary you know um, although i was i was saying before having a having a black belt in in karate demonstrates commitment and perseverance but i wouldn't necessarily write i have commitment and perseverance and it was demonstrated i would just write trained for three trained for five years to reach black belt in karate you, you're kind of implying it so yeah I'm, I'm i'm not big on description and commentary and i'm not big on skills list there's there's another myth about cv writing which is really important and this is one of the reasons why people have a skills section and it's the myth of the ats system you know this this AI machine that is AI bit of software that's going to read your CV and do the shortlist. And I speak to recruiters all the time, and I guarantee they are not outsourcing their job to a piece of software. It's just not happening. ATS systems are a database of candidates, but th- there's no keyword matching necessary. You know, and people often put a skills section there purely as a keyword matching exercise, and it's it's just. It's a waste of space, honestly. You'd be you'd be far better focusing on the human that is going to read your CV and telling them a small number of compelling things that make them want to interview you. And and that's a really really important point. Is is the fact that so much of what we're doing going forward is going to be it's the human part of it which is going to be the biggest factor. You know, it's this critical thinking, yeah. it's the relationships, it's the working together. Because so much of the factual stuff, you know, we know it's been automated once it's sort of you're in that sort of placement area. But people are going to want to know that the bit that we need is the the you part of you <laughs> that they want to get yeah. across from that. And so the more you can sort of lean into that, it makes perfect sense that that's, that, that would be the case. But I guess, like I say, unless you kind of really sort of detail that in terms of what you're trying to get across, people don't necessarily think in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what do you sort of say to people who um, who are like, I've got my CV, it's... 10 pages long i know it should be maybe slightly less <laughs> and then and then you're kind of like oh we need to get rid of this or we can get rid of this and get rid of that is there is 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 that an option or is it actually better just to go right we've now got 
no pieces of paper and then we're going to sort of build build from the ground up again in the way that we sort of described already absolutely and this this is a situation i've been in with clients that people do send me 10 page cvs and i always say to them the reason you're talking to me is that I'm going to, there's going to be one best way of communicating your value to your next employer for a particular job. We're going to find that. So yeah, um, I have two screens. I have a blank piece of paper on one screen and I have the 10 page CV as a reference point. And I start, as I said, literally I follow my own advice. I start with what does the employer want? Um, I, I write down the person spec in my own words on one piece of paper because it's often repetitious and it's often quite waffly so you know if if it, if the person spec says um i don't know able to run projects meticulously that are on time and on budget up to a value of whatever i just write project management or pm because I know project management has to be done meticulously and I know projects have to come in on time and budget so if I write pm for project management I know and if I write you know um, comms that means communicating well both in verbal and in written form but if you write that down in that form it's you're going to get distracted so okay project management i'm going to give at least one example of communication i'm going to give at least one example of verbal and written comms and we'll do that yeah and also there's a phrase isn't there about polishing things um i would never polish up an existing cv i would always start from a blank screen because you're always going to get a transformation by doing that rather than an incremental improvement if you just try to polish up what you've got so yeah start a blank document by all means use the other thing for reference but if i'm writing it for someone i always i always write based on the discussion i've had with someone you know rather than the the document because the document's always going to raise more questions than answers it's always going to be okay so you say that so tell me more and you say that you've achieved that. So what was the impact on the business that you worked for or the organization? And, you know, you say, you say that you achieved this and you, you found a better system for doing something. Well, how, you know, I, I, I achieved my target, you know, a day early. How, what did you do? And then you've got to write a bit about the how, as well as the, what you achieved. Um, but that's always going to be better than describing your skills. And I guess also what you're doing, you're setting yourself up for your interview as well, aren't you? So assuming they then come back to you, it's like, I yeah. know what I've written and I know where I've been heading them. You know, that the, the story has been planted and you can see, and I can imagine pretty much what their question is going to be related to that. And so you can sort of almost yeah. go in with a kind of a, your own kind of version of, I think, as long as I've got good answers for these types of questions, which may well come based on what they now know about me then you've, you must feel a bit yeah. more secure then in terms of, of that being the case. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to touch on is is the idea of references. So often yeah. they will ask you for one or two references or three references or however it would be. I guess that's a moving um, target as well, depending on what it is that you're applying for, because you might have someone who's going to write you a fantastic reference, but they don't quite fit in with the kind of the area that you're applying for in any given job or situation interesting so yes in the number of people that i've worked with who've come back to me and said oh i feel so much better prepared for the interview it is incredible because by doing this self-awareness stuff by learning what you're best at what you've excelled at in the past 
you've already prepared examples that you're going to give in interview answers, absolutely. And, of course, the same principle applies to an interview. There's no secrets that they're going to ask you things that relate to the person spec. It would be totally unprofessional to ask you something that isn't on the person spec. So if they want someone who's good at teamwork, they should be asking you about teamwork. Um, either just what are your teamwork skills or give me an example of, and you use the competency-based approach to that, uh, sometimes called STAR, uh, although I've got a, a better version of that, which is three stages instead of four. Um, but yes, the you're already going to be better prepared for the interview. In terms of references, that's an interesting one. My general advice is don't put references on your CV. I, I don't even include the line references available on request because employers know they can ask for references. And if they're going to ask for references, they're going to ask for references. It makes no difference whether you write that or not. And I really think it's a waste of space on a CV, not to mention, I mean, you, you're giving someone's contact details away and that's fine because you've hopefully got permission to do that. But the employer doesn't need them unless they shortlist you. Um, some employers only check references after they've offered the job. So just don't don't put the same the same principle applies to anything. Don't put anything on your CV that isn't directly relevant to the job. And it, there's a there's a level of judgment involved there because you don't want to scrap anything that isn't relevant. But no, not no need for references. Um, yeah, choice of referee, absolutely. I would say anybody who can attest to your commitment, you know, reliability, anything like that, teamwork, communication is a relevant reference. It doesn't have to be from the same kind of organisation you're applying for. And I think you might be limited because you've only got a certain number of jobs, work experience, placements. So I guess you've got to pick whoever you can. Yeah, yeah, ex that, that, that makes sense as well. And then it's back to you again, isn't it? It's like, you know, what's yeah. your pool of expertise, people, network, whatever that happens to be, depending on your your age and, and situation. Mm. And and in, in terms of sort of your experience within schools and everything, obviously you're going in and you're chatting to people. Have you yeah. got your own personal school experience or a teacher that you remember? And and do you sort of, sort of reference that or or bring that experience into what you're then able to offer when you're sort of going in there, sort of now being more of a, that sort of coach, sort of teacher sort of side of things? Yeah, I do a little bit. I mean, the, the main thing that stands out to me in a good teacher is people who give positive feedback you know, so I remember English literature in particular, and I remember the teacher kind of reading one of my answers out as a kind of model answer, you know, and that, that had never happened to me before. I, I was getting I was getting decent grades, you know. Um, I got two A stars, two A's and five B's, but despite the fact that I was getting reasonable grades, nobody had ever specifically gave me good feedback like that, and that, that motivates people, you know, that keeps people going, and um yeah I, I try to I, I try to apply that in in the work that I do so persuading people that their aspirations are relevant persuading people that you know when they raise money for that charity that's work that's community work it's a project it's massively relevant when you did your week experience 
it doesn't matter that it was for one week. It was supposed to be for one week. That does go on. You know, when people people have said to me before, well, I did this job, but I didn't get paid for it. So that, that doesn't count, does it? I'm like, yes. Whether you are paid or not is nobody else's business. If you've learned skills, it goes on your CV. If you've achieved something, it goes on your CV. Whether you are paid or not makes no difference to whether or not you develop the skill and demonstrated an achievement. So, yeah, I, th- I think the possibility, and I think, I think a lot of the time, students haven't had a lot of people believe in them and encourage them, and you know, uh, t- to be told that you can achieve, you, you can achieve something. You know, you might not achieve it tomorrow, but if you want to get this job or that job. Right, there are different routes, and again, I'm not. I, I stop short of telling people what they should do or what route they should go down. I, I think business people have a responsibility not to do that, um, but certainly persuading them how relevant the stuff they've already done is. And yeah, I, I, I don't care if somebody tells you that this profession's better than a career in art. You know, if you're fantastic at art, pursue that. You know. Um, and, and people often are, just despite being told by others that they should change their dreams. They're, they're often excellent at what they're doing. And I, I, I always say, well, how many jobs does somebody need at once? You know, okay, it might be two these days. It might be one or two if you're doing a portfolio career, but it's, it's not a thousand, is it? So whilst the statistics, and I've worked in market research, you know, I really value statistics, but the statistics give you a good clue as to what's a growing industry and what's not. They shouldn't, they shouldn't dictate individual advice, should they, surely? No, absolutely. And there are two things that struck me there. The first is um, what you mentioned about sort of showing good practice or good answers from that sort of English lit point of view. Yeah. Because the thing that came across to me was that whether that was worth an A star or it was worth a, a D – the feeling of someone doing that and demonstrating this as a good piece of work yeah. feels so much different than here's my A star or his or whatever whatever the, the grade happens to be because it's personal. And that just I love the fact that that goes full circle into what we were talking about before. It's about you getting across who you are and sharing who you are from a CV point of view. And all of this is going to feed into it. It's all about that personal connection, how you feel about it, because you're more yeah. likely to do that same thing again when someone's, you know, giving you credit for what you've done and showing it in a positive manner which of course this is what we're talking about here as we're going into each of those things um and the other thing about about the sort of the job situation i mean as a musician myself you know the most important thing would be you know can i play the drums can i go and do the job i've got to do etc 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 and yes you know i went to music college i studied i'm able to do the things that i need to do from that point of view however my career parking that to one side it's been much more about me as an individual so for example a large proportion of the work i've done i've also been orchestral manager for not that i trained to be an orchestral manager it's that when i first started the beginning of my career because i was a um a percussionist i had to be there early i had to know where to park i had to do the get in i had to make sure there was enough time for that i knew this was going to happen i knew the theater might be working in this particular way so i had to make allowances for that so then people were then going 
well, actually, you're really organized. You've got all this stuff down and you seem to be calm under pressure because we know what it's like when people are putting shows together and that kind of thing. You know, yeah. could you help me run run the orchestra so that we can fix the people for this? And I mean, these were things that I wasn't being trained to do when I was at college, but they're th- my attributes, which people saw, which I didn't even take any notice of to be honest. That's just me. That's just what I do in that natural way. So like you say, if you say, don't do this career or this job because you don't actually know what that job is because in whatever industry it is, there's a whole range of skills and versions of that job, which like I say, you wouldn't necessarily even know until you start to take your step down there. So you can follow the passion, but where the, the final bit of income comes or extra bit of income or how that kind of matches up can be very different than you even perceive it to be when you start out. Do you know what? The, I'm a, I, I genuinely believe that you can make a good career out of anything if you're good enough at it and committed. I, I literally can't think of any skill set or kind of area that you can't make into a business, into a career, especially when it's so easy to set your own business up these days, you know? Um, I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to do that first before gaining experience, but it, it is an option and some people do that. And yeah, it's. I, I really think that having knowing what your next step is is far more important than having a big plan. So, I mean, come on, I, I write TVs for people, right? The number of people I come across, they come to me in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. 56 seems to be a common age. People, for some reason, people tell me their age, right? I don't ask them. <laughs> but p- people will ring me and say, Graham, I'm 56, right? So I'm gonna, I want to make my last career move, and I want to be in a job until I retire. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, you've got, you might have 10 years left at least in your career. Any employer is going to be happy to keep somebody for 10 years in your 20s you don't stick in a job for 10 years do you so your age isn't isn't the problem but this is as a result of either changing their mind or new opportunities come up or it might be the result of bad advice when they were younger actually somebody told them to do a particular job because it was safe and it was you know the statistics are good for that job but you know they're not going to stick at it for 40 50 years if if they're not if they don't love it. And I, I really think people should be encouraged to do what they're best at and what they love. And hopefully those two things coincide like they do for me, by the way, I've, I've found the two things that I know that I'm best at, which are marketing and CV writing and all the things that go with that interview coaching. Um, you know, if we're not doing CVs, we might be doing video presentations of why you should choose me. Well, You'll still need a script written for that, won't you? So I'll be helping you. And that that's the other point. People who are at school now, they might be entering the workforce in 10 years' time. Let's not be arrogant, right? We don't know what the job market of 10 years' time looks like. So many jobs that exist currently didn't exist 10 years ago. You know, in marketing, conversion rate optimization, you know? Most people don't know what that is, but it's now a specialism that you can you can train and you can work in. Um, AI, okay, so the, the future of AI is people are going to be competing based on the skill set of instructing the AI technology to get the right answers and get you know incremental improvements. And I, I can get this, I can get a better result from the AI than the next person. So, yeah, ultimately, it's about knowing what your next step is. And, and being comfortable with with not having your entire life planned out because it is going to change. 
Uh, that's such great advice and and it's really hard to do for so many people but i think that's an, again another reason for hearing it and 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 just on, on sort of touching on that when i um i'm trying to think when this was which was probably back late 2008 9 maybe into 10 one of the things i i had was an, an education company and we put on concerts um so we had um basically went into schools put together a mini choir based on a theme and i brought my sort of musician hat on we brought a professional band in we thought it was great the opportunity for them to learn a set of stuff they get to play with a, a professional band in a theater parents and everyone watching it's a fantastic thing to do took a yeah. massive amount of organization but we absolutely love doing it but the reason i bring that up is the fact the thing that made me think was we went on loads of local radio stations and were chatting about it and I remember just sitting there in front of uh, the microphone going, I quite like this. Don't know why. I mean, it might be the performer and me as well. But there was just something about the fact that I'm having a conversation and I'm, you know, it's a different environment. But there was something I really loved. I didn't know then in 2016 I was going to start my own podcast so that podcasts even existed and I'd spend yeah. a large proportion of my time in front of a microphone having these things. But you just kind of get that. I'm happy to go with the flow. I don't know where it's going and it may not be tomorrow that like say you find out, but just actually being aware that this feels good or this feels bad, or I can see how this might be something that could be part of my life is, is, is a great thing to, to sort of notice. Can I say a couple of things on that then? Cause that's, that's a really important point. Um, the first thing is, isn't it irrational to expect people to know what job they want to do? when they haven't experienced any of the possibilities that are out there. What an irrational thing to expect people to do. And the way that looked for me, okay, I did a degree in business studies because I wanted to keep my options open. And it was a really, really good idea, actually. I qualified in marketing subsequently, and that was my specialism. But I really enjoyed the theory of HR. I really enjoyed the the academic side of what motivates people and it's it's never money of course the research proves that and the, all the different theories of what motivates people how are people how can people best be kind of coordinated to work in an organization but i would never have wanted to actually be an hr professional and then because the practice of it's different but then i, I went in the market but also when i graduated i spent three years working as a recruitment consultant and being a recruitment consultant was nothing like i expected it to be I really enjoyed the the candidate side, helping applicants get jobs. Didn't enjoy dealing with employers at all. Um, I didn't enjoy the the hard selling of it because it's one of those industries where it's just a lot of sales activity. And so after three years, I chose to go into something totally different. However, that wasn't three years of wasted time. It's really obvious, isn't it, that everything I do now draws on that experience. So knowing what employers want, knowing how they make decisions, having pitched candidates to employers. And I, I can I can literally say that everything I've done in my career, even the three months sales job that I had in the summer, every single piece of that experience contributes to what I do now. And I would be I would be less good at what I do now, if if any aspect of that was subtracted, you know, um, the critical thinking, the the knowledge of, you know, when I write CVs, you know, the, one of the best ways of conveying your skills is to give statistics. Uh, I increase revenue from X to Y. I know you've got to have some experience before you get that kind of stuff or, you know, but I've done research and I've done communication about complicated things like that. And yeah, 
communicating complexity with clarity is, is is one of the things that I became good at. So literally every step of it, and some people would say, oh, well, you should have known what your career aim was when you were 16, but it's sometimes not possible. I applaud people who do know, and, and, and that's absolutely fine, but it all worked out in the end. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? It's that kind of, and it, and it's a journey because, like you say, what that is yeah. now in twenty years, thirty years is going to probably be different anyway, for whatever that reason happens to be. I mean, it's such great advice, all of those things, and I, and I definitely like that next step because then it keeps you very kind of focused in where you are now and able to move from from that that sort of part that sort of point of view. Yeah. Is there a resource that you'd like to share, and this can be personal or professional, whether it's a podcast, a video, song, film? book but something which has had a bit of an impact i think because communication is my thing you know a communication has to have a purpose it's it's not just flapping your mouth you know it's not just writing creative words communication has to have a purpose to it i i like i like things i like storytelling so you know listen to the I, if i'm listening to music I'm, i listen to things like bob dylan you know and i incredible storyteller um who can stir emotions with 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 the music that he creates in the lyrics so I, I think probably stuff like that you know career wise i obviously do a lot of cpd but yeah um stuff that stuff that tells a story because of course the most powerful way of influencing someone is is through a story so yeah yeah, love that so much. And and finally, as we as we wrap up, obviously the acronym FIRE is important here at Education yeah. on Fire. And by that, we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What is it that strikes you, just first of all, when you hear that? It's, we all have the power to influence other people either positively or negatively don't we and i think with that comes responsibility i think as you know I, i've got two children you know as, as parents we have a responsibility to to inspire not not guide in a kind of very rigid way but inspire them to to follow their interests and teachers obviously have that and career professionals have that real influence over people so that's that's we have to exercise that influence and that authority with responsibility. If we're going in and talking in a school, we have to exercise that power responsibly. I can give I you think... some examples. I can give you some examples of advice that I've heard given, which is questionable, of course, as well. Yeah, do absolutely. Um, I mean, some people won't. Some people won't believe this, um, and th this is within the last ten years, right? So it wasn't like in the eighteen hundreds or anything. But um, I was doing some mock interviews once, and I, I heard a highly regarded professional who'd done recruitment for a major public sector employer, um, and they were telling they were telling boys to do blue CVs and girls to do pink CVs. Wow! Wow! Some people find that incredible, but you know. Um, the, the the it's unbelievable that the kind of even pro professionals are human, right? So all of us as professionals have our own personal biases, and we're capable of of making ridiculous decisions like that. You know, I've um I've heard people, I've I've heard I've heard recruiters telling people that they shouldn't have a summary on their CV 
they should just get straight to the point and we haven't got time to read it. What what they really meant was don't write a waffly CV, uh, CV introduction that says meaningless stuff like I am a hardworking, reliable individual who works well both as an individual and as a team. But what they said was don't write the summary because we haven't got time to read it, which is really damaging because, like I said earlier, the, the summary is the thing that keeps the reader's attention and helps you to convey your value really quickly. So, yeah, people putting their own needs, you know, I haven't got time to read it ahead of the needs of the of the students. So I, I could go on and on with some of the, you know, somebody once in a in a enterprise competition told the students that in order to win in business, you have to be the cheapest, which is complete nonsense. You know, uh, Apple are not the cheapest. Tesla are not the cheapest. You know, um, it's 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 one of those things which is just completely untrue. But, yeah, you know, this. Uh, yeah, you have to. Somebody has to be doing quality control. You know, if you're gonna have, to, if you're gonna have in any context people giving advice, somebody has to do quality control somewhere. But yeah, that's that's what inspiration means to me. Yeah, it's so important that, and and it really strikes me, like you say, those biases are just there, which is why I love what you said the two or three times now about that sense. Of, you know, it's not my job to do this or to put you down this path. It's it's bringing you out, and then we're able to kind of put those things together. And 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 I think finally, just that sense of kind of people haven't got time to read a CV. It's like you're going for a job or you're applying for something where they've asked you for a CV. They might have lots, but their job is to find the person they want to do it. So it's not, if if your perception is they don't really care about me because they don't really want to fill the position, but that's just that's just has to be nonsense. But like you say, the yeah. way that it's sort of pitched you and what you hear is is a completely different different thing sometimes. And I think that's where as well I really like what you're talking about in terms of you know who am I and what am I trying to get across because at that point you can make those conscious decisions of kind of I know this person told me this but is that really what I believe is it really what I think is it really true do you know what that's such a good point this is where critical thinking comes in okay so yes of course the employer hasn't advertised the job for fun right they've advertised the job because they want to recruit the right person so um, please, if you're writing a CV, don't be put off by these statistics about people getting too many CVs. I don't care if someone's received 200 CVs for a job, right? I can tell you, having been on the other end of that, the vast majority of those 200 CVs won't be relevant. So please never be put off applying for a job if it's the right job for you. Doesn't matter if they've had a thousand applications, still go in for it. And yeah, it doesn't matter if they spend six seconds. I mean, it's difficult to prove that. Still, give them your best in that six seconds, and you'll be better than than the next. Yeah, person. what a great way! What a great way to finish because I think that's such an incredibly important thing to get across. And and yeah. my final thought on that is, which is certainly something that we as a family have, have, have spoken about I think sort of post-COVID in terms of things being sort of unsure is the fact that you're not going to miss out on something which isn't meant for you anyway you know put your best self forward do the best you can like I say apply for what you think is right do it in the best possible way if it works out and you think this is what you were going for then brilliant if it doesn't it's like you say it's opening another door it's taking you in a different direction and just be malleable enough to kind of go with that sort of ebb and flow and I think then you'll have a successful career job um, <laughs> um university Absolutely. life whatever it happens to be and you'll end up in the place which is going to be the most supportive thing based on that kind of mindset absolutely yeah there are more than one way of getting somewhere 
Absolutely. Well, Graham, thank you so much for sharing. It's been a fascinating and fantastic conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it. And something like I said, we haven't haven't sort of delved into this sort of thing specifically before. But as always, you know, these things are always about the person and they're always about kind of that community aspect of kind of how we all have an impact, which I think we've sort of really demonstrated from this. Yeah. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.